The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Imagine, if you will, for a second, running just over four miles every hour on the hour. Now, imagine doing that for a day. That's quite a bit, right? Imagine doing that for two days. Good heavens. Imagine doing that for three days. Well, imagine doing that for three and a half days, running 350.2 miles, and then not even winning the race, coming in second place. Imagine all of that. Now, imagine how you would feel if that was you. What well, actually happened to somebody? We're going to go to Kirkwood, Missouri. Chris Roberts is our guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Chris, my God, that was one hell of a show you put on at Big's Backyard Ultra. Thanks. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a good time. Most I've, of the time. Well, we'll get to Big's, and I kind of want you to, to break down your three and a half days at, at Big's Backyard Ultra uh, in just a couple minutes. But let's get to know you first. Looking at some of your stats, second at the Black Hills 100, fourth at Hellgate, second at Grindstone, second at Hellbender, fifth at the Hurt 100. Uh, and then we go back six years ago. The first result that I can find for you is in uh, 2015 at the North Face Endurance Challenge in Washington, D.C. Let's get to yep. know... Chris Roberts, Chris, your running story, were you always a runner or is this something you discovered a little bit later in life? Um, I mean, I ran in high school, uh, you know, cross, cross country and track. Yeah. Um, just kind of did the recreational thing in college. Um, and then didn't do much of anything throughout my twenties. Uh, <laughs> like so many of potato. us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sometimes, you know, you, you go run for four miles and it's a slog and you do it a couple times a week, but that was really about it. Um, and then I started running, uh, more than recreationally uh, after I turned 30 when my daughter was born, mm -hmm. um, and immediately jumped into ultras. So, so you made, you, much did, it. you didn't do the standard marathon, half marathon or half marathon marathon, and then 50 K you just kind of, did you skip all those and go straight to ultras? Yeah, I mean, I'd run some run some marathons, put those in quotes. Um, <laughs> when I was a teenager, like my first marathon, I was like 15 or 16. Um, but I didn't train for them. And so I did a handful of those when I was a teenager. Um, but yeah, then after that, I didn't do anything, like I said. Um, it was mostly because I didn't like running on roads. I didn't yeah. like the, I didn't, there's no allure for me of like, you know, big city marathons and stuff like that. Um, but I also, I knew of ultras, but I didn't, you know, like reading the Dean Carnazes book and all that yeah. stuff from back in the day. But I always thought like you had to make that progression, you know, going through the marathon yeah. and stuff like that to get to being in shape for an ultra marathon. So I just didn't do it. Um, I didn't do anything <laughs> for the better part of a decade. And then finally I was like, you know, screw it. Um, I'm going to jump in head first and, and see what happens. So let's go back a minute. What possessed 15-year-old Chris Roberts to run a marathon? Most 15-year-olds are chasing girls, <laughs> not worried about marathons. 
I mean, I was, yeah, I was 15 or 16. I, I think I was a sophomore in high school. Um, it was kind of a birthday present, to be honest. Uh, my dad uh, worked for an airline, and I saw that, you know, there's the, the Rock and Roll San Diego Marathon um, had sign-ups, and mm-hmm. I think, so I think I was 16 because I think that was the minimum age. And I was like, hey, let's do that. Free flights. So we just flew out there like the night before, and that would be fun to give it a shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a terrible it was a fun experience but also terrible um in that you know i was just coming off of you know like running 800 meters in track um <laughs> wait, wait so the extent of your running you're at, you're an 800 meter runner in track and yeah. you, you did cross country so you did 5k would be the high school distance mm-hmm. at the time did you make the gigantic <laughs> jump from 3.1 miles to 26.2 yeah i mean i ran that first half marathon at about boston qualifying pace um <laughs> and then the back half was a different story um, i can see a lot, why a lot of walking. <laughs> i can see why in your 20s you're like listen yeah. i tried that running thing stupid not doing it again i'm gonna take an entire decade off to recover yeah pretty much so so 30 comes around your your daughter's born i know that when when all of a sudden you're a dad because i've always thought like i talked with my wife about this i think for her she had nine months well not you know maybe eight or so months of something kicking feeling those physical changes as Mm -hmm. kind of this prep for well, oh God, now I'm responsible for this little human being. Where for me as a dad, I was like, wow, my wife's getting a little bigger. And all of a sudden, boom, one day I'm like, oh shit, I'm in charge of this of this little thing, of this little human being. I've got to get this human being to adulthood. And so, you know, I looked at my life and I'm like, God, I don't exercise, I don't do anything. I don't know if I'll make it to high school. Was there a little bit of that or were you pretty, were you in decent shape in your 30s? I mean, I wasn't in terrible shape or anything. Um, I had had a good decade plus of having high blood pressure, and I was on, like, meds that, you know, like a 60-year-old would take. Really? Um, and so that was part of it when my daughter was born. I figured, you know, let's try and take that, figure out a way to not <laughs> have to take pills to regulate my blood pressure. Um, and so, like, the, the remedy for it was basically eating healthier, not drinking as much beer, and exercising. So kind of combining all those together um the exercise was the biggest thing for me um Mm -hmm. and it ended up working out so got off the meds and i figured it was a you know continuing on through running was kind of a a good way of um i don't know just being a good influence on my on my children um just kind of having a good uh yeah something for them to to look at and see you know dad works hard at this right blah 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 so dad's crazy but he works hard (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't intend on starting out as dad being crazy, but it's kind of, it's kind of jumped the shark at this point. I that feel might, like that might come with time. Um, so, so you see this. You read the Dean Carnazes book. You see this North Face Endurance Challenge. He's at most of those things. Is that why you picked that race? Because you're like, well, maybe Dino's going to be there. <laughs> Well, he was there. I actually chatted with him for a little bit during the race. Um, but no, I just I, I lived in D.C. at the time. Yeah. Um, and so it was the most. Uh, it was convenient yeah <laughs> it was super convenient so i just that was the first one okay how did the, how did that go for you your first your first ultra that was a 50k right 
It was a 50 miler. Okay, 50 miler. Um, yeah, I mean, it was all right. It, it, it took a while, um, <laughs> a good bit of walking and cramping and all that kind of stuff at the end, but I muscled through. So Yeah, you got, you got through, you got to talk to Dean Carnazis. Were you able to get uh, any more out of them than that I did? I was pretty much just like, hey, I read your book. It's pretty awesome. Um, he just had like this whole following around him, you know, this, yeah, this gaggle the cult of Dean yeah. around him the whole time. Um, and so I talked for a little bit and then just went off and did my thing. Yeah. What's up? Nice book. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's what everyone says. <laughs> How many times has Dean Carnaz has heard, hey, what's up? That's a great book. Um, so obviously, though, a lot of walking, a lot of cramps. You weren't one and done. You weren't. I did this to put a sticker on the back of my car. You, you, you kind of liked it, and you continued to go. and And you would see some some success early on. It seems like after you know North Face, you started putting things together and started seeing some really decent results. I mean, I listed some of them earlier, and those are not. Easy things to obtain. I am sorry, but you cannot half-ass your way to second place at Grindstone. That's just not going to happen. Unless you're the only person that shows up. Like, if everyone else is like, did I show up the wrong day? I mean, that's some serious running. How did you transition your, your racing from middle of the pack to front of the pack? Um. So, I think it was just getting a feel for the requirements on race day, just getting my body ready. Cause mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I, I jumped into it. I started running and when my daughter was born in 2014 mm-hmm. and then within, I don't know, like eight months I had my first, um, ultra marathon and a little over a year after going from couch, um, to hundred miler basically. Yeah. So, uh, it, it takes a while I think for your body to really, you know, build up the, uh, <laughs> the stamina and the endurance and the 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 muscular um endurance to kind of hang for that long and do well um but the biggest thing for me i think was so i ran my first full year of of ultras i ran grindstone like you said Mm -hmm. and then i i got into hellgate which is a a horton's yeah uh 100k yeah and i got in that and that was my my golden those are my uh grindstone and hellgate were my golden they're my uh what do you call them uh tickets for for western yeah your golden ticket races yeah um so i i got in i put into the lottery for western states immediately because i had my ticket my Mm -hmm. one ticket um and i got in so within within, everybody hates you by the way we said golden ticket but you didn't get a golden ticket that was just your standard entry your requirement to get in that was better than a golden ticket. It's harder, probably. The, the odds are low. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> it, it's so funny because most people, Chris, you know, they finish their first Western States qualifier and they have those ideas that they're going yeah. to be Chris Roberts. They're like, you know what? I know the odds are not in my favor, but I know that when I tune in to that lottery drawing in December, they are going to reach in and call my name. And after yeah. five or six years of watching it and them <laughs> never pulling your name, you're yeah. like, fuck this. But then you, you're one of those people. It's like, all right, with one ticket, Chris Roberts from Missouri. And people are like, one ticket. I, I, I've been running ultras for about six months. Um, 
and yeah and then i got in so i immediately started doing like real training um so putting in good mileage i did a boatload of kind of like training races yeah uh during that spring and that really just kind of catapulted into a good level of fitness and i kind of carried that through for the past five years or so <laughs> it's so funny you think about people chris that spend a decade trying to get into western states and it was six months for you yeah i know i have a, a couple of buddies that they got in this past year and they were the ones that had like maxed out the the ticket yeah uh a lot of man i can't remember it was eight years or whatever the the maximum was yeah. this this past time around but yeah i knew two people that have been <laughs> waiting the better part of a decade <laughs> Um, it's yeah. so funny when you hear the stories of the old race where it was you know if, if you didn't get in the lottery one year or two and in you know it's like if you miss yep. out what well, you're in well we'll just let you in next time and now they could of course um never do that i did notice as well um as i was stalking you on the internet you are the ceo of long haul sports nutrition so during the pandemic you said my life is not complicated enough I'm going to launch my own sports drink company. How did that all come about? So at the moment, it's it's still technically a fake company, um, but we're yeah we're about ready to to kind of go live with uh, pre-orders, uh, getting ready to start manufacturing. Yeah, basically uh, everyone was making sourdough bread, and I decided <laughs> to, to uh, make a sports drink. <laughs> you tried the sourdough you couldn't make it work and you're yeah. like i'm making my now what made you decide to to want to make your own sports drink because it seems like especially now there are so many out there was it something that you weren't finding what you were looking for um there's a number of years where i'd, I'd use some products and it worked fine mm-hmm. um until it didn't and then there's just like a successive series of races where like 80 miles into a race, I just couldn't tolerate the drink anymore. And then the next time around, it was 60 miles and then 50 miles. And then it just it kept getting worse. Right. Um, so I kind of went and did some research, tried to figure out if there's something else out there, tried to identify what I thought my problems were and didn't really see anything that completely fit the bill. So I kind of just started working on my own formula. Um, uh-huh. And that's what I've been working on for basically the past year. How, so you're doing this in the kitchen. You're just you're mixing things and yeah, I just bought a bunch of crap on uh, on Amazon <laughs> and started you know mixing ingredients and and coming out you know doing research, figuring out what was kind of the the optimal um, the optimal amount of, of these specific ingredients and you know the the electrolytes and amino acids and things that, that should go in there uh, to help you know an ultra endurance athlete. And finally settled on something that, that seemed like it would work and but there's no flavor in it it tasted like dirt um (laughs) so then i had to go like contact some uh some flavor makers uh, yeah companies you know like make flavor powders and stuff like that and started working that in and took a while but eventually settled in on some stuff that tasted pretty good and and i've spent the last i don't know eight months or so uh using it in training and racing and it's worked out perfectly fine have a couple of buddies that have used it as well and you know seems to be working pretty well so figured why not give it a go and see if i can start a company out of it so 2022 i saw is when it's going to be available generally to the public that you'll start doing some pre-sales and 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 that sort of thing 
Yep. That has to be a hell of an undertaking because I am sure that your wife is not allowing you to okay. have this whole business in your garage. Like she wants to park her minivan in the garage. Chris, get your shit out of the way. So this yeah. is like someone else. Is someone else doing all this manufacturing? How do you how do you even get this thing off the ground? Yeah. So I looked at some companies that would do, you know, like do the manufacturing for you, but it just seemed like it was the, the amount of money that you'd have to front and the, the amount of like lost profit that you, you know, by going through a middleman right, just didn't yeah. make sense. And you kind of like lose control of, of some elements of the, the production and, and the development of the, the formula. So I just kind of figured, see if I can do this on my own. Um, so we've got, a, you know, like an industrial space lined up that we're getting ready to rent out. So I've got machinery that I've purchased and I've got like all these, all the ingredients, like suppliers and stuff lined up and packaging and all that. So in the very near future, it'll all start coming together in a, in a factory, a small, you know, warehouse space. We'll in, in Missouri, it's going to be made in it. Missouri? Yep. Yep. Made right in the heartland. Well, I, I want to buy some when it's available. So I'll, I'll keep bothering you on the all internet right. and I, I want to buy some uh yeah we'll we'll be open for pre-orders pretty soon um i can't say an exact date but it's, it's going to be coming in pretty soon and then uh yeah like i said we're aiming for delivery um uh, presumably in the, the january through april time frame will be when we'll have all of our pre-orders uh delivered that's really exciting that's really exciting because i think i've I, I don't know if you kind of came across this but it, there's there's things that i like about every sports drink out there um, even Gatorade, as long as it's blue, that's the only flavor I recognize is blue Gatorade. But it seems, yeah, right. It's, what what color? What flavor is that? I don't even know why Gatorade bothers coming up with names for flavors because nobody goes in and says, "Give me the icy frost Gatorade." Yeah, like the Arctic Freeze, right? What does it taste like? I have like, no idea. Give me the light blue. I want the light blue Gatorade. But no, there's there's things about each sports drink that I that I like, and there's things that I don't like. It seems like the ones that that the taste you can stomach for for more than a day those don't have enough calories and the ones that have enough calories get so disgusting by you know mile 50 you're like ah oh this is oh it's so sweet i can't handle it so it just seems like there's no balance between i could drink this all day but it's in what's got enough calories to keep you going yeah so that's that was part of my problem is i would get 50 60 80 miles into a race and it would just taste so sweet like so painfully sweet like syrup like you just couldn't even get it down you mm-hmm. just wanted to throw up um and so yeah the long haul is is primarily maltodextrin based mm-hmm. and then there's less fructose which is you know a very sweet type of sugar or of a, a carbohydrate yeah um so by having less fructose and more of the maltodextrin, there's less of that sweetness that's being imparted. Yeah. Um, and then we overcome that by using a, a natural, like a little bit of this natural sweetener. Um, doesn't taste like chemically or right. you know stuff like Diet Coke or something. Right. Um, so you get like a lower level, a little bit lower level of sweetness, uh, but you still get the same amount of calories, you know, the same calorie density and electrolyte density as a lot of those other... Uh, companies that are out there that you see on the trail. That's awesome. Well, I wish you all the success in the world. I think it's so cool when somebody has the guts to to do something like this. I mean, it's one thing to just mix some batches for your friends in your kitchen. It's another thing to go like, you know what? Let's give this a try. Let's let's see if, if the American dream can happen here. So I wish you the best of luck. 
Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. Um, hopefully it doesn't, you know, completely crater. <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And uh, and I'm also very thankful that my, my wife is on board uh, with this idea. Yeah, you so, owe her a nice Christmas gift. You better not <laughs> screw up Christmas, Chris. Uh, yeah, Christmas and, and so many others. And her birthday uh, holidays. and Mother's Day <laughs> and all and, and anniversaries. You've got a couple of years yeah. worth of really nice presents. Don't don't <laughs> don't screw this up, Chris. But no, I mean it is kind of cool that we I, I think as the sport continues to grow, um, we're seeing a lot more choices in the nutrition game. And and there's a little, now there's a little something for everybody. Because if you like goos, G U, if you love those. You are a crazy person, and I salute you. Because I, for me, I'm just like, my God, why would I stick this birthday cake flavored vomit in my in my mouth over and over again for ten hours? But there's so many different options now, uh, and that's that's kind of a joy. I do I do kind of feel good, uh, kind of jealous for the old timers that were just popping fun size Snickers bars every once they in a just while. Take like- sugar like table sugar yes. and put it in a bottle <laughs> right or what gordy would do would he have that orange or the grape juice with salt in it like he just used that grape juice concentrate with salt in it i can't imagine what that would that taste like so all of that now let's move on to big's backyard ultra this is really right. a fascinating it's not new last has been doing it for a while but it seems to have caught on um, because mm-hmm. I, I for the first like for a while there the backyard ultra, just about anybody could get in. You know they were maybe going a day and change, and then the the format really caught on, and it's four point one six miles every hour on the hour. Now how Bigs differs is during the day you run a loop that's actually in Laz's backyard through the yeah. woods. And then at night, you move to a, a road course where you're running on the roads outside of, of Laz's actual house. And it's so cool that he's now had to, he has a he has a little version of that for everybody else. And the bigs one where people are coming from all over the world. I mean, these are popping up all over the world. When did you become aware of this backyard format and when did it become something that you wanted to do? I mean, I've known about them for a while, um, especially since the folks like Courtney and Maggie and Harvey had been, you know, kind of top performers there. Um, so, so a number of years. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of didn't really pay too much attention to it and I had no real interest in mm-hmm. it, uh, to be honest. But in the last, uh, I don't know, the, the last two years, I started getting a little interested in it being an, as an option for me to explore um, something that had uh, not necessarily more chance of failure, but yeah. you know, by going well beyond 24 hours, which is, you know, any 100 miler, I pretty much tap out at 24 hours max yeah. um, for most of the ones I've done. So trying to get well beyond that, that, um, amount is something that I was really interested in to seeing where my body could go because my ultimate goal has been for a good number of years to try and get in shape, um, to have the qualifications to get into Barkley and mm-hmm. to presumably not suck at it. <laughs> so, um, I figured, you know, while, while a backyard style doesn't have nearly the, the kind of crazy vert and orienteering requirements, you can start testing your body in, in terms of 
you know, how well you can manage sleep deprivation and, you know, continued time on feet without those additional stressors. Um, so that's kind of the allure for me, uh, when I jumped into it. So you get in, you get into the big one, you get the invitation to the, to the big dance and you'd done another one before you did what with the the capital backyard ultra. Yeah. Yeah. I did capital back in May and the entire objective was, you know, to do well enough there to presumably get an at-large bid, um, or an outright, you know, golden ticket, uh, to bigs. Yeah. And then hopefully as bigs as an opportunity to like truly test my body to, to again, kind of see how well I might be able to handle something like 60 hours or, you know, 36 plus hours at, right. uh, you know, it, in, in, uh, in frozen head. So, okay. So you get in and, and there it is. It's, it's, it's middle of October. You're yep. in bell buckle, Tennessee, and you are on Laz's property getting ready and you're looking around. I mean, it's got to be like, like Chris, I, I, I listed some of your, your achievements earlier, but let's be honest. You can walk down the street at a race and not yet. I mean, it's going to come, but no one's going, Oh my God, it's Chris Roberts. You know, I mean, it hasn't happened yeah. yet. I mean, we'll have, maybe it'll happen at some point. Right. I think it happened. It happened one time um, at <laughs> at Black Hills right after <laughs> Capital because I'd ran Black Hills four weeks after Capital Backyard, and like someone there was at Capital Backyard, and they're like, "Hey, you know, I saw you at Capital." That that's literally the extent. <laughs> so you've had you have had one. Oh my God! It's Chris Roberts. You've had one. Well, it's more like a hey. <laughs> right, right, right. You're that guy. <laughs> Let's go ahead and just say it was an oh my God, that's Chris Roberts. We're going to roll <laughs> sure, with that. You had just one. On but here you are. You're in the starting line, and around you are a bunch of people who hear, oh my God, that's so and so quite often. You know, you got, yeah. you got, you got Harvey Lewis, you got Maggie Goodrell, you've got, you know, you got so many incredible runners around you. Is there an intimidation factor at the start line of bigs? I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel it at all. Um, it was definitely cool to see um, the the big names of the sport. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I was totally fangirling over Maggie and Courtney being there. Um, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, look how awesome their tent is! It's <laughs> so immaculately set up, and I should go do that. Um, <laughs> give me ideas. Michael but, Wardian uh, is, is Michael Wardian is he smaller in real life smaller no he's like eight feet tall okay because you never because like, you never know right he's, he's super skinny um but he's tall that's <laughs> I mean everyone's tall compared to me I'm only like five five so okay so they're all giants you're standing yeah, amongst everyone giants literally and figuratively you are yeah. standing amongst the giants of ultra running so you're all there at the starting line gun goes off for the first time this is the first 4.16 and and you just have no idea how far this is what it's going to go how is that first lap we're not going to go lap by lap because this show is not that long but let's just go ahead and kind of get it going with the first lap um i mean the first lap was really low-key the whole first day was mm-hmm. pretty low-key for me just uh tried to settle into my own zone um kind of jumped in and out of place near you know again some of the big names uh, occasionally chatted them up uh which is pretty cool yeah uh, but yeah it was just kind of taking it easy just letting the day come so were you trying to sell or do you are we using that first day when you were you know full of life and zeal to be like hey can i, can I talk to you about your sports drink 
You see my shirt here? It's got sports drink name on it. You know, you might want to look it up. No, Do you find uh, that your that. sports drink gets un- just, just unbearable after 80 miles? Because I have an option for you. <laughs> just dogging on everybody else's stuff. No. <laughs> that's, that's a joke question, everybody. I don't expect you to answer that. We know the answer. <laughs> so the first day happens. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see people start to drop. And the, the, the pack at the start line at the beginning of the hour to get smaller and smaller and smaller. That first day, how how is your pacing and how is your plan to get through day one? Um, I mean, the plan for day one was just super straightforward. Uh, I had a basic nutrition plan, and then at night I planned on getting as much sleep as I could, mm-hmm. um, even though I knew I really probably wasn't going to be tired. Um, try and get some minutes here and there yeah. so they could eventually bank up but energy expenditure wise was super low-key um i'm really comfortable on the trails uh laz's trails weren't too technical for me yeah. i was just, yeah it was pretty easy flow during the day and then at night on the roads the roads are just you know boring monotonous flat roads um yeah so i didn't really feel any kind of kind of stressors on the body for that whole first day I've often heard with with bigs because I know a lot of backyard ultras they don't switch laps night and day it's just the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again and I've heard with with bigs a lot of people will say if you if you make it to the night you will make it to the next day simply because those night loops are so I mean it's it's you're doing some just basic road running and the pace can slow down quite a bit as opposed to trails and they, they it seems a little easier I've heard that from some bigs ultras did you find that when you were running bigs. I mean, the pace is, it feels easier. Um, you get a little bit more time in the bank mm-hmm. to be able to rest between laps, but I hate the roads. Um, <laughs> I did not enjoy them. I mean, the first night, I guess it was all right, but after yeah. that, I just, it's so boring. I, I like the trails so much more. You can feel like, like I feel mentally engaged mm-hmm. when I'm on the trails and not in like an exhausting kind of way, right. um, almost in, in an enjoyable, exciting kind of way. Yeah. And after three days. Uh, but the, the roads were just kind of soul sucking <laughs> to me, at least. Um, I, yeah, I wish the whole the whole thing was on trails, like night and day. That would have been much more enjoyable. So day two goes along, and did you did you plan to go farther than than a day or a day and a half? Were you surprised um, that you're it's it's the finishing it's it's the end of day two, and you're like, oh shit, I'm still here. No, I mean, I had a plan from the outset of, I thought that there was good competition. They would be able to take it, you know, into the fourth day, maybe even the fifth day. Um, so I was fully expecting myself to be there kind of mentally and physically um, to go beyond 72 hours. So like the first day was total warm up. Second day was just kind of felt like it was easing into a process and getting into a good rhythm, uh, making sure I was getting sleep and all that stuff. But again, even the second day wasn't really too taxing on me at all don't really have many moments that i can um, remember that were like a struggle or trying mm-hmm. um except for you know i had some acid reflux <laughs> kind of yeah. thing but it, nothing nothing mechanical was wrong nothing like that so when you see big names start to drop when you see you know michael warding is not coming to the starting line for another lap yeah. Is that an ego boost? I mean, even just to see anybody not show up at the start. 
I don't know if an ego boost would, would be the right term, but yeah, there's that second day was really interesting to me because I could tell that 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 second day time that, you know, the second 50 miles of the trails, there were people that just weren't super comfortable. Yeah. Like they just, maybe they, they were kind of road focused runners and just, you know, another 50 miles on the trails where trail just feels a little bit longer. It's slower. You have less time to recover. Um, just different muscle groups being used. I think I can tell that there are people that just didn't really enjoy it as much. And so you know, they'd start dropping out. And even by the time they started getting to the night, that second night, like it was almost like that, that those daytime miles just kind of fried them. So, but you're still feeling good. You're still feeling fresh as a daisy. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, honestly, through that whole second day and even into the start of the third day, just, yeah, it was pretty easy flow. Um, no real problems. So. Third day. Kind of watching people drop. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You get into that third day. What is it? I mean, you, you really haven't lived a normal life for two right. days at this point. You're living this weird 4.16 mile at a time yes. existence. And so you're not getting, you know, the standard three meals. You know, you're not, you're not stopping and having a burger. You know, you're not you're really getting any significant amount of rest or sleep. Where are you headspace wise when you've been running for now your third straight day? So I was pretty confident to be honest. Um, so when I was at the Capitol backyard in May, that third day was when everything went south on me. I was yeah. feeling great until I wasn't. And then like lack of sleep caught up. I had all sorts of problems, caffeine problems, hallucinating. I just mentally was done. My body was physically fine, but yeah. like I just I couldn't handle it mentally. I felt just totally wrecked. Um, and I knew that coming into bigs that I'd need to prioritize sleep and caffeine management a lot better uh, than how I had handled it at Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that if I could do that, then I could get you know well into the third day without major problems. And so at bigs, I was able to get good chunks of sleep, um, especially during that second night, um, you know, up to 10 minutes at a time uh, at, at the night loops. And I was doing a good job with my nutrition and my caffeine. Uh, when I needed it, I would use it and it worked just fine. So yeah, I did like, I felt pretty good. Even into that third day, I started hallucinating um, a little bit. Ooh, what were you seeing? Uh, <laughs> I was seeing beautiful multi-million dollar houses in the woods um, <laughs> and, and cars parked in the woods and things like that. Uh, you were having your own episode of House Hunters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't get to go inside the houses, um, but they looked wonderful from the outside. Uh, very nice. Uh, but like, yeah, the, the first time I had ever hallucinated while running was at, at Capitol, and it just totally wrecked me. Like my brain, I couldn't handle it. Um, what was the hallucination around, at Capitol? What? what was the hallucination at Capitol? Um, it was weird things like uh, yellow duckies, yellow rubber duckies on the on the ground. Um, there's some other weird stuff. That was the biggest thing. But like, I just my brain couldn't process that they weren't really there, and I kept trying to figure out like why they were there. Um, and so my brain would just go down this rabbit hole of like trying to convince myself of why it would make sense for that stuff. Really, like, it's clearly imaginary to like really be there. Um, so yeah, I got to that point where I just I, I couldn't like couldn't come to terms with the fact that what I was seeing wasn't real. Um, but 
by the third day at Biggs, I, I, I somehow was able to, to easily convince myself, like, I know that that's not real. Um, and then I just kind of go on about my business and disappear. Uh, and so I didn't have any of those like mental breakdowns. <laughs> but that's, that's it's so interesting when you talk about, you know, capital and just you're having a hard time understanding that what was ahead, what was in front of you was not real and and the and the mental struggle of you know not allowing yourself to come to terms with the fact that what i'm seeing is not real and yeah. how you know physically you sounded like you were fine you were you know being able to move on but just that mental part of it what do you do then chris how do you knowing that that was a problem for you Mm-hmm. and that you were your your brain was having a real hard time how did you train yourself or or did you meditate or how did you overcome the mental uncertainty of the hallucinations so i think part of the problem also at capital was that i had zero minutes of sleep the okay. whole race did not sleep at all so on top of the hallucinations when those were going on i was also kind of kind of blacking out on the course at times, not recognizing the course that I had yeah. run on for 50 plus hours straight. Yeah. Sometimes just finding myself standing there, staring off into the woods, not mm-hmm. really <laughs> knowing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so it was clear that, that sleep deprivation was the real problem. Was it the root of it all? Um, so I started practicing. I'm, I'm not a good catnapper. I can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it takes me like an hour to fall asleep. Right. So I, I tried just kind of practicing, like calming, like calming my body down and getting into like not meditative breathing, but just, just kind of calming breaths and, and stuff like that. Um, and making sure at bigs that I had this whole sleep routine in mm-hmm. place where, you know, I'd lay down, I'd have these blankets that would get on, that I'd be covered in. Um, I had these earphones that would go in with some rain sounds. I had an eye mask and just this whole process to, to get really calm and, and to be able to go to sleep quickly, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, on a, by the second night, I was banking good chunks of sleep and it was paying dividends on the third day. Like I was mentally alert and wasn't tired at all um, throughout that third day. Yeah, so. that's 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 absolutely incredible and i think too um when it comes to that sleep it's got to be weird for you to get like 10 minutes of sleep and then all of a sudden you have to wake up and you realize the reality of the situation you're in you're not this is not guess what chris you're not getting a, a wonderful full night's sleep you're getting maybe 10 minutes and all of a sudden you've got to go out and run again was that a hard adjustment to make I, surprisingly no i thought it might be um but pretty much every time i fell asleep uh my my crew chief would wake me up you know with like yeah. two or three minutes to go and i'd be just right up and maybe throw a little bit of food down and then uh just jump right into the corral and, and get going again so, when did yeah. when did it what, how many laps in did it become just you and harvey um that so it was me and Harvey and the, the Japanese runner, uh, Taranichi uh, Mori. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, but it was the three of us from like 60-some hours on. And then uh, it was just me and Harvey for the last, I don't know, handful of hours. Because Taranichi lasted until hour 80. Yeah. So um, so hour 80 happens. And, it, and you know, you've, you're now in it for three-plus days. But the reality becomes that the world record is in sight at this point. 
You know, you know that that's a real possibility. But here's the reality too. It's just you and Harvey Lewis. That's yeah. it. I mean, what did that feel like getting to the starting corral and going like, there's only two people and I'm one of them. I mean, I wasn't too concerned. Um, I'll be honest. I wasn't like, I wasn't in a super competitive mindset. Uh, I thought it was neat, just the two of us. Yeah. Um, I just kept trying to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any, I didn't have any like, um, really inspirational moments or anything where it's just like, you know, let's do this. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in that kind of headspace. It was more just like, all right, show up at the corral and, uh, go put in another hour of work. Are you a competitive guy by nature or do you think it's something where it was just the, the, the exhaustion of, of the monumental task? Yeah, I'm not naturally too competitive. Um, I, I don't know if, that, <laughs> if that's indicative, um, <laughs> from my my race results or i have a lot of second place finishes. um but yeah it's uh, it, it doesn't competition doesn't really drive me it's more of an internal thing um well kind of finding my own body's limits and stuff like that there's that old kind of asshole saying that says you know second place is the first loser and you're you're like well if i'm gonna be a loser i'm gonna be the first place loser is that what, yeah. that what it is? I mean, and at a place like Biggs or, you know, any backyard, the assist is, is critical. It's, it's a super important um, position to have. So kind of yeah. honored well, to, yeah. to get the assist. So, so, so you, you keep on moving. You're, you, you know, you've now, you know, moved farther than a lot of people thought it would go. I mean, we've always thought it would go well into three days. And a lot of times it was two days and change and, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So here you are. Three three and a half days in, and your knee starts giving you some issues because I noticed the the Walmart knee brace uh, came into the came into the equation in the later photos. What happened there? Yeah, it was the uh, the third night. Uh, it was like around hour sixty four or something like that. The knee started causing some real problems, stabbing pains. Uh, I couldn't bend it mm-hmm. uh, without pain. I couldn't put pressure on my foot like do like a real like toe off uh, uh-huh. run uh with that leg at all um so i had to totally transition into power hiking and then this weird side skip hopping thing that i was doing uh to keep going but yeah it was like uh eight plus hours of the night where i was struggling with the knee and then went into you know the next day and it started feeling better on the trail but then towards the end of the day um, you know, when we got an hour 80 or so, it, yeah. it started degrading again. And then you are hobbling. And and Harvey wasn't looking nearly as bad stride-wise. No. No, he looked he looked fluid and fine mechanically. There were times when it kind of seemed like he was there, – there were moments where he might be exhausted. Yeah. Or just like, you know, he kind of finished a little – he finished the lap a little slower than I would have anticipated him finishing, um, things like that, mm-hmm. but – for the most part, Harvey just kind of looked like he was he was doing his thing, um, and nothing was nothing was wrong. Nothing catastrophic was on the horizon for him. And there you are limping along with your knee brace on, <laughs> you know, trying <laughs> trying to keep this thing going. Um, uh, when did you know that it was over for you? Uh, the lap that I quit. <laughs> I mean, right when I started out of the gate, because the, the hour before was our first night lap on the roads and i just kind of cruised through it um i've been wearing the same shoes for 100 miles mm-hmm. for an entire day and i wanted to change out so that last 
lap that I completed, I, I got back in pretty quick so that I could get my knee tapes like retaped and stuff and get new shoes and socks on and get ready to go for, you know, multiple hours of the night. Um, but the moment I started that last lap of mine, I just, my knee was just in incredible pain. And I walked for, I don't know, about a quarter of a mile, third of a mile or so down to the bottom of this hill yeah. at the beginning of the, the road loop. And like the entire time it was just stabbing pains, every single step of the way. And I just couldn't imagine continuing on going, you know, two miles to the turnaround and, and just realizing I'm going to time out. So I just, I just didn't think that I could make it, um, without an absurd level of pain. Um, you know, if I made it at all. Uh, so I just turned around and called it quits. Was there an interior, was there an interior battle going on in, in the, in the noodle going like, but, but oh, I'm so close. I mean, I, he's, he's been, he's been, he's been coming in slower than I have the last couple of times. I, maybe I can no. time him out. Yeah, not really. I mean, my main thing was my knee hurt really bad. Mm-hmm. It never hurt like that before. It was hurting for the better part of the day. I didn't know if I was causing a real like problems to the knee by, by staying out there. Like I just, I didn't know what was truly wrong with it. Um, so I was happy to, to call it quits, uh, if that meant not <laughs> like having my knee completely <laughs> explode on me. Right. So was there a sense of uh, relief that you were able to finally just put this to bed and, and end it? Yeah. I mean, it was nice. Um, and I was totally lucid. I, I think at the end, I, <laughs> Aside from the knee, I felt fine. Um, but yeah, it was nice to be <laughs> to kind of be done and not have to worry about that hour to hour anymore. So you get back, it's all over. You know the the cheers and 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 screams for Harvey Lewis, who set a new uh, world record at the Bigs Backyard format. You ran three hundred and fifty point two miles. That's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. What was the atmosphere like at camp when it was all said and done? Um, I think there's a little bit of shock when I came in. Um, and then it was just yeah, like a kind of muted excitement. I don't really know how to describe it because yeah. it's, it's the middle of the night. Um, I think a lot of people had left because they thought that Harvey and I were just going to go on throughout the night um, yeah. in battle. So there wasn't a huge crowd in camp when Harvey came in and finished. Um, but they were all, you know, like kind of diehard backyarder you know, fans and supporters and, and athletes and crew. So um, it was a nice atmosphere for him to, to come into. Um, it was very celebratory of him and the achievement. So Now, I'm cool. sure that, you know, because I, I did read that you had your, your phone on airplane mode uh, during Big's Backyard Ultra, but the second you turned yeah. that bad boy on, it was ding, 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 ding. You got a lot of dings. I'm sure after that incredible performance – you may get a oh god that's that's Chris Roberts. You may get that now at races. I am sure that you, you got a lot of Facebook requests, uh, friend requests on Facebook after that incredible performance. Yeah, my phone is just like going crazy for five minutes, just nothing but pinging from you know, I don't know just updates and and people texting me and and stuff like that. But yeah, it was really weird. Um, I think like I don't I don't really do much actively on on twitter for yeah. example like, yeah. i don't really i'm not I, I like using it as kind of like a news feed yeah um but i think my following my followers went from you know like 15 to 500 or something <laughs> like that. they're waiting for you to tweet <laughs> something <laughs> i don't have anything to tweet i don't, I don't really do that so. uh, your fans want to know was it weird too because i saw that great 
article in uh, Ultra Running Magazine um, about uh, the Bigs Backyard Ultra. Um, did, did you read that? And was it weird to 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 see you being talked about in that article as you're reading it? So yeah, there's been a couple articles that I've read where I'm referenced, and yeah, it's just it's a little surreal. Uh, just. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're, never, never happened before. Yeah. You're, so. You know, you sound to me like you're a guy that likes to run, but you identify as much, as much more than, than just a, a runner. You know, you're a businessman, you're a father, you're a husband. And then to see, you know, you talked about in these blow by blow, you know, magazines about this epic event just has to be kind of, kind of surreal. Yeah. It's kind of trippy. But then at the same time, it's like almost insert random name here in your <laughs> article you know like there's there's no like no one like spoke to me necessarily for for these things and so it's just like oh this is the person who ran right put their name in there and that's about it they did uh, not call you for any quotes basically is what you're saying yeah. they just made stuff I mean, up ultra running magazine did, did contact me for some quotes for an upcoming um article but other than that yeah it was just like some guy named chris roberts (laughs) i'm sure chris roberts at some point said i'm getting tired (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great if they just falsified some quotes (laughs) they write you as someone that you're totally not like chris roberts who is known to all of his friends as a hyper competitive jackhole was, was pissed at harvey lewis and wouldn't shake yeah. his hand you know? yeah like, harvey's that's... gonna rue the day that we do it again <laughs> you heard it here on the adventure jogger folks he's calling <laughs> harvey lewis out on this, yeah. on this episode so all of that and what an epic adventure and i'm sure it probably you know when you finish something like that you go back to regular life and you're like how do I process three and a half days of my life after that? It has to be kind of a a weird moment just to sit down and think of the just the just the awesomeness, the the incredibleness of that. Just don't even even take it take just the the accolades of the ultra running community, you know, all five of us um, <laughs> away from it. But just think about the monumental task you achieved of being able to to push your body to that length has to be just incredible yeah it's weird because i mean there's a couple of people that have basically you know talked to me straight up and are like you're an elite athlete now like <laughs> what you did was was incredible like that it's something obvious you know the only other person that's done that is harvey you know before us yeah. you know, no one had done that so it's kind of crazy thinking of myself in those terms. Um, I certainly don't really envision myself that way. Um, but at some point, you got to kind of just accept it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah, it, it's something pretty crazy that no one else had really done before. So yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I try to be fairly humble. Um, like I said, I'm not really competitive. Yeah. I don't have that kind of mindset. So it's a little hard to come to terms with all that. But uh we well, can use it yeah. when you're when you're selling long haul. When you put together your first commercial, you can go, "Oh, hi, I'm ultra endurance elite athlete Chris Roberts, yeah. and I'd like to talk to you about long haul nutrition." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, the company so, I started because I really just wanted to be a sponsored athlete, and no one was calling, so I made my own company. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the truth behind long haul sports nutrition. Chris was tired. Everybody had told Chris no, even Hammer. And we all know Hammer tells nobody no. They they ordered way too many jerseys. And so everybody gets in. Even they said no to Chris, and you're like, fine, I'll do it my way. I'll make my own drink, and I'll be sponsored by my own drink. <laughs> so, so other than that, and again, I wish you incredible success with Long Haul Sports Nutrition, and I will be buying a bag. Uh, I want to be one of your first customers. I want to give it a try. Um, what okay, else? I appreciate it. Yeah, what, are you, what else are you looking forward to? You know, in in the future now that you're now that you're a, you're an elite superstar, Chris. I mean, now that everybody knows me, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've still got, like I said, my my primary running objective is to get into Barkley at some point mm-hmm. and to do well there. So that's it's kind of the main goal, uh, training wise, uh, for the next few years. Um, just random hundred milers here and there. I've got Bighorn yeah. coming up in June uh, that I'm pretty excited to go to, and then I'll be back at. Uh, bigs next year. I'm not going to do any backyards before that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do another <laughs> You've done one before enough. that. You've done enough, uh, Chris. <laughs> so, so hopefully, I, I I presume that I'll have a good enough mark to make the the Team USA for Bigs next year. And honestly, when that comes around, I think there's going to be enough talent that it's going to go into triple digits. Um, some somebody's going to go over 100 hours. Really, uh, I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think it's going to happen. Um, I'd like to be there uh, yeah. or as close to that as possible. Um, but I really, truly believe that people are like really, they're starting to dial in on how to do this race, and the more and more people figure out how to do it and how to approach it the right way, yeah. the higher chance of someone having, you know, the, the higher chance of everybody having like a good day. Right. Um, so it's just going to increase. The, the likelihood of you know more than one person um feeling good at the you know towards that fourth day and the end of the fifth well i'm telling you what chris if you go into triple digits the, the ginger runner will ask you to be on his podcast and that, <laughs> is, that is that the mark that's the mark you know <laughs> what once you get that once you get that direct message from ethan newberry saying like hey <laughs> i need you on ginger runner live then you can go you know what i am chris roberts elite ultra marathon athlete you can get some shirts that say that on there make your wife start calling you start saying my husband's an elite ultra runner and then you'll know you've made it i mean i'm in the top half of the 60 people that do this type of event (laughs) (laughs) you know your kids are going to brag about it at school but they're are they still they're still pretty young though yeah they're in elementary school and preschool so oh elementary school Oh, you're oh that lunch table. Those kids have heard about that. Like guys, guess my, what? My daddy runs a long time. That's really about it. Um, and you know what? The other kids think that your kid's making it up, <laughs> and they go home and they say, "You know, little little Robert's kid told me that his dad ran three hundred and fifty point two miles straight." <laughs> and they just be like, "You know what? He's a liar." And you know what? He's proud of his dad, but no one can run that because they don't. So. Know. Like there's a couple kids in my neighborhood that are, they, you know, they their parents followed along, yeah, um, and so they knew they had a, like an idea of what I did, and um, were pretty astounded by it. It sounded pretty, like, not inspiring, but they seemed to think it was cool. Um, so, dude, you're yeah. neighborhood famous now. Neighborhood famous, all sixty houses. Uh, <laughs> some of them know who I am now. 
<laughs> what more could you could you possibly want? Chris Roberts, an incredible story. And be on the lookout, everybody. Uh, in 2022, um, if you're like me and like to try stuff out, uh, look for Long Haul Sports Nutrition. Chris is currently making it in his in his garage, uh, but they'll be moving to a production facility uh, soon. The packaging looks good. Uh, best of luck to you, Chris, and, and thanks for, for joining me on the Adventure Jogger. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. AdventureJogger.com. Uh, we do not make the merchandise in my garage. I have I have a middleman that does that. <laughs> I have somebody somewhere that screen prints the shirts, embroiders the the jogger joggers. Uh, by the way, there's hoodies as well. So as we're getting kind of uh, kind of colder weather, you can get some very warm adventure jogger joggers, which I'm wearing right now. Uh, hoodies, t-shirts, all that good stuff at theadventurejogger.com slash gear. Also on our website, uh, back issues or episodes as well. So if this is the first episode you're hearing because you're a huge Chris Roberts fan and you're like, yeah, I know he was on MR Running Pains, but I got to listen to him on this other one as well. You can uh, check out back episodes. And again, I'd like to encourage everybody to go online to ultrasignup.com and search for a race called the Savage Golf Marathon. It is a beautiful, wonderful race that it, it actually didn't happen for a couple of years. Well, one because of COVID and the other is because it was originally run by, by park rangers and they just decided we, we can't do this anymore. It is an absolutely beautiful, brutal race. It is just so scenic and incredible. And John Harden, uh, of Hardwin Adventures is the new race director of that race. And there's no finer race director in this area than John Harden. And he is putting on the Savage Golf Marathon, bringing that race back. It is March 19th. Jeff Stafford and I will be out there and we're going to be running it and most likely doing a podcast so long as uh, one of us does not die uh, at the end of the Savage Golf Marathon. Chris, you would do very well. If you're a technical runner, you may want to come out there and do it as a training run, but just go to ultrasignup.com and check out the Savage Golf Marathon. And if Chris does run it, you can be the first person to go up to Chris and say, oh my God, it's Chris Roberts. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. We're back next week with a brand new episode. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your run. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.